Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the new ENS Football Podcast. I'm Nathan Judah. I'm delighted to be heading this rebooted version of the podcast. It's been about six months in the making. This we we first discussed it at the end of last season. We've had to jump through a few hoops on the way, and to get a room in this building is not easy. But we are here. We are ready to go. We're going to be bringing you this podcast once a week, every single Friday. And if everything goes according to plan, we're going to be doing it twice a week. So what can you expect about this podcast? Well, basically, we're going to be covering a variety of clubs, mainly Wolves, Albion, Villa and Walsall with our chief reporters. Uh, Today, we've got Tim Spears, we've got uh, Matt Wilson, we've got Matt Maher. Joe Massey will also be with us um, on most weeks. He's he's got pretty good excuse today from a Walsall point of view and he's getting married. Um, John Whitney apparently is going to turn up at his wedding later on. I'd love to see that. Uh, But what we're going to be doing is is more of an informal chat. We're going to be having um, some fun along the way and it gives our boys a bit of a license to chime in about about their own uh, team and also about each other's team in in what is going to be hopefully a relaxed atmosphere. But most important of all, uh, we want this to be as interactive as possible. So we want to to break it open to the fans. We want you guys to be out to tweet us, to email us, asking your questions. and We will do our very, very best to answer them. So we have a brand new Twitter address, our Twitter address for you to tweet us in, at ES underscore podcast one. Which has already got three followers, I should point out. Thank you, Mr. Spears. It does already have three followers, one one being me. One of those, yeah. At ES underscore podcast one. And also, if you can email us in with your questions, that email address is podcast at expressandstar .co.uk, expressandstar.co.uk, podcast.expressandstar.co.uk. Give us your name, give us where you're from, and like I say, we'll, we'll, we'll answer as best we can, I think. Um, so, without further ado, let me let me introduce our guys. First of all, Mr. Wolves himself, Mr. Tim Spears. Tim, Tim, how's it going? Jeff Shee in the building, is he? Uh, yes, very well, thank you. Yeah, look forward to an exciting season. Uh, West Brom is Matt Wilson. Matt, welcome. Hello. How's it going? Very good, very good. Excited. And for Mr. You're doing you're doing two two clubs today: Warsaw and Aston Villa. Mr. Matt Mayer. Matt, how are you? I'm all right, Mason. Okay. Very well, thank you. So, just outlining what we're going to be doing today, we're going to have a little bit of a summary because it's been it's been a pretty crazy summer. I think you'll all agree um, for all the different clubs. So we're going to um, chat to our reporters, um, talking about the last month or so. We'll then look ahead to the to the weekend's games: uh, Wolves against Reading, Palace against Albion Villa, Rotherham and Oldham Walsall. Um, we'll then look at a bit of transfer news. Of course, everyone wants to know the latest on a, uh, on, a, on a variety of targets. And then we'll finish off with a mailbag. That's what we're doing at the end of each show. And we'll be going through a lot of the questions that you guys want to know and want to get answered. And we'll do our best to answer them. Okay, I need to stop talking. I need a drink of water. So, Wolves, Mr. Tim Spears, a summary of the last month. It's been a pretty quiet last month, hasn't it? A summary of the last month. Yeah, quiet. I know there's not a lot to talk about. How long have we got? got, You've got about five minutes. Uh, Summary of last month is lack of sleep, really, for some of us. Uh, Although some of us were on a holiday and missed it all, of course. Okay. Yeah, we'll Um, talk about this. Okay, I I was in Cork and I was with Mr. Spears and then I went on what I thought was a very... A very well-planned holiday before the season, before an all pandemonium broke loose, and I haven't been allowed to forget it since. But I'm back. We're back. Um, 
new ownership, new manager, what's new? You managed to keep quite up to date with it though. I've never received so many messages from anyone in my life. Well, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to miss out. I didn't want to miss out. But just, just crazy, a crazy few weeks, yeah. It's, it's been crazy. Uh, things are finally kind of start starting to settle down now. Um, but yeah, new owners, new manager, four new players, a new agent. Or, or super agent, as, it, as he must be dubbed, mm. Mr. Jorge Mendes, for whom the word agent is not enough. Um, so, yeah, it's it's all very exciting. I mean, um, a month or two ago, Wolves were handed down a cul-de-sac, really, as they have been for quite a few months. No new signings on the radar. Um, still trying to sell the club. Apathy kind of rain reigning mm. amongst the fan base. Um, and now you've got, you know, bottomless pockets. Um, a, a, a crazy, a crazy manager uh, who's who's certainly going to be anything but dull, um, and some very, very um, high quality new signings who I think are going to make a good impact in the championship. So all of a sudden, Wolves have gone from I think they're fourth favourites for relegation mm. at the start of the summer, and now they're in like the top six or seven favourites to go up. I mean, from, from, the, from the sorry, sorry, Matt, from from the from the fans' point of view, though, I mean, they, they were in the doldrums, and you can understand it from last season. I mean, watching them were, were, was hard work. I mean, at least we get paid for it, but some of some of those guys who were there every single week is is fantastic. But from a positive point of view, they needed something like this. They needed a boost, and and that's exactly what they've got. Yeah, and I think we're expecting an announcement of season ticket sales soon, which which will reflect that. And um, but yeah, they had their second lowest uh, gates in the second tier. For since Molyneux was rebuilt last year, and you know all these nil nils at home, they only scored I think twenty six goals at home all season, only won seven games. So the cl- the club is kind of going nowhere, and, th- and then you see other clubs in the championship like Newcastle and Villa and Derby and Millsborough last year spending twenty thirty million pounds, and Wolves Wolves are shopping in like the league, league one, league two bargain basement. So it, it just just couldn't be any different. I mean, you, see, you see you see them bidding for for Chris Martin yesterday, one of the one of the mm. one of the championship's yeah. proven strikers. So and yeah, and the fan base obviously obviously reflecting that. I mean, you know, Nathan, you saw with me at Rotherham on Saturday the the scenes even before the game, chanting Mortezenga's name. You know, real kind of carnival atmosphere. What about that director's box? What about that box? <laughs> the VIP box. And uh, we're not talking about Barry Chuckle. Is, is that a bit of a concern though? The, the fact that uh, Benfica's president and. And George Mendes are, are hanging around in the director's box. Yeah, how, do you, I mean, how do you think the fans got? They're, they're not. They're not being shy about it. I mean, you know, Jeff. She was asked in the press conference, "Are they going to be an official feeder club?" And he said, "He said no, but we'll try and sign some players from Benfica." Yeah. Uh, is that is that a good thing? In your opinion? Um, I think that the quality of players coming in will be better than what they've got already. It's just whether they can adapt to the championship. I mean, we <laughs> see a lot of players have a good August and September. Typically and stereotypically, foreign players come in and, and, and start well, and then once it gets cold and once they get kicked a few times, um, and it's a real real slog in the championship, as we all know, um, then they'll have to adapt and adapt quickly, and there'll be quite a few of them as well. So, mm. but I, I, I think the main thing we've also got to be careful about is that there's such a close knit squad there. I mean, there's no you know, everyone says, "Oh, there's great team spirit here," but it's very true at Wolves. They've got a lot of players a similar age, 23, 24, 25. And now all of a sudden you'll, yeah. you'll be starting to get you'll be starting to get cliques in the squad. Of course mm. you will. You know, yeah. None of the guys from Portugal speak a word of English. Um, you know, if Zenga starts showing favouritism with certain players, then then you'll you'll see some risk come in the squad perhaps. So I think the way that he manages that will be really crucial to how he gets on this season. What have you made? What have you made of Zenga so um, far? <laughs> so I spoke to quite a few people who'd worked with him before he was appointed. Uh, well, sorry, after, after he was appointed, and we were very much expecting you know the kind of madcap world of Walter Zenga. I mean. There's mm-hmm. lots of stories out there, some true, some not. But you know, we've seen the 
uh, the wedding video of him renewing his vows uh, in Vegas with an Elvis impersonator. Um, Love that. You know, the, glam- the glamorous wife, mm-hmm. uh, followed around by the paparazzi around the world. Like I said, lots of very interesting stories, but it's it couldn't be any further from the truth. Couldn't it be any so further far. from Kenny Jacket either. So, yeah, true, very true. But um, but yeah, he's been very restrained, very professional, um, very careful and composed with what he said, very defensive as well. Um, but this is a, this is a huge job for him. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone reels off that line: sixteen jobs in eighteen years. But you know, this this, this isn't messing around in the UAE anymore. This is mm-hmm. this is a serious job, and he's what he's in his fifties. So if if he fails here, where does he go? From, from from here on mm. so it's it's a massive job with huge exposure he keeps talking about it as a project not a job he's he's buying into it but uh, i think what should be remembered is that he's quite a small pawn in this really it was focusing on zenga but fosun's plans for the club which they haven't really said publicly but it's pretty obvious the kind of things that they want to do mm. um to make this into a worldwide club with sustained premier league success um, so if if Senga doesn't deliver in the first few months, he'll be off. They'll get someone else in because it's Boson's project. It struck me as a pretty worldly individual, Zenga, when we when we first met him. I thought, you know, he kind of a, he's not a a superman. I think he know very much know, like you say, he knows his place in this. You know, he's he's, all, he's quite self aware. He's a coach, as he yeah. as he as he keeps as he keeps pointing out. He's here to coach the players. Mm-hmm. I mean, K- Kenny Jacket still had a say in the transfers. I don't. I think that's even less the case with. With Zenga, he's very much a coach. He'll be given players. We've seen that already. You know, players were signed before he was appointed and, and immediately afterwards mm. um, with Jorge Mendes written all over them. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. This, this is this is how it works at many clubs across the continent and here. Um, but he's, he's, he's a motivator. Um, he's really kind of instilled this, this passion and team spirit in the club so far, which was kind of lacking at the end of last year. So he's immediately righted a few wrongs and I think that'll get Wolves through the next few weeks. And just before we move on to Albion, what do you make of the first two games? Uh, yeah, good, promising. I, I don't think it could have gone much much better, really. I mean, Rotherham, a uh, tough away game to start with. They had a new manager and new players as well. Really came on strong in the first half an hour. To recover from 2-0 down with 10 men to get a point, fantastic result. And then they, they, they saw off Crawley, which many championship teams didn't manage to do with their games against lower league opposition. So... <laughs> New signings uh, <laughs> bedding in the <laughs> Including. Well, one thing I'll, I'll say about Wolves is you look at, I know we're going to talk about Villa in a second, and it was obvious that Villa's squad needs a, a big overhaul and it's getting a big overhaul. Do, do you think, and Tim, you're probably best placed to answer this, but do you feel that Wolves' squad at the end of last season needed a huge overhaul, or is it is it just a, a, a few pieces which need? No, I mean, I, th- you know, I think. Injuries was yeah. were such a big problem last year. I think they had fifteen absences of a month or longer for 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 players, which is just impossible. It's unworkable, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's unworkable. Um, and Kenny Jacket reacted to that by going defensive and going safety mm-hmm. first to yeah. save them from being relegated. Um, so no, I don't think it needed a huge overhaul. To be honest, they've got a lot of players aged 22, 23, good promising English players. I think they needed the sprinkling of quality on top of that, mm-hmm. which we've seen come in. They still need a couple more additions. But I wouldn't go overboard for a complete overhaul, and I don't think they will. I think I think it's fair to say we'll have plenty to talk about with Wolves yeah, in the next in the next few oh. weeks coming up. Um, Matt Wilson, West Brom, another takeover. 
Yep, incredible take news, and, and and really, I know this deal's been done for a while, but they kept it. They kept it pretty quiet, didn't they? Yeah, they, they kept it quiet. It was done on the twenty fourth of June, but they decided to announce it um, on the birthday of my daughter, which was nice of them. Excellent. So that was good. Um, Delighted got, to get that call when got you? me into the office. But uh, proper poor me. No, but yeah, I, mean, I think it's it's positive news for Albion fans. It was it's been a frustrating summer for all concerned. One signing isn't enough. That's that's patently obvious. Um, and these these new owners need to need to invest some money, or at least uh, give Pulis a license to spend some before the uh, the window shuts. Um, Jeremy Peace, I believe personally that he did a good job at the Albion. He cemented their position in, in in the Premier League. But it was time for him to go. He knew that about eighteen months ago. He he, he didn't have enough ambition for the fans. Um, he didn't have enough. He didn't have the right ambition. Um, to put, push the club forward. Um, although Pulis was the right appointment at the time, it's still a conservative appointment. It's still one designed just to keep you in the Premier League. And that's what Albon have been doing for the last year and a half, treading water uh, in many ways, just uh, just staying staying in there so they can keep the money. Um, and hopefully these new owners will, uh, will have a bit more ambition. Although uh, first impressions suggest that they might not do. They might just be... Uh, uh, Chinese replicas of uh, Jeremy Peace glad to uh, to stay in the Premier League for the time being, um, but only time will tell uh, on on that. What are your thoughts on the new chairman? New chairman is meant to be uh, a very astute appointment. John Williams used to be at Blackburn Rovers; uh, he was a steady hand there. Um, there's a lot of people uh, around the club saying that he's going to be more approachable. He's going to be more open. Um, maybe deal more with the press than Jeremy did, who, who, who didn't really speak to the press at all. Um, and he's a bit more dyna- dynamic. That's the idea, that he's going to come in and change the club a little bit. Um, basically, have more of an open procedure with the fans, which is, is what supporters want, isn't it? They want, they want, their, uh, they want to be uh, heard by the uh, people in charge, by the manager, by the owner. And uh, so hopefully... Uh, it's an astute appointment. I've not met him yet. Um, I think he's waiting till uh, till Albion get a few signings <laughs> over the line before meeting the press. But yeah, uh, from, from first impressions are good. What's the kind of general feeling from fans? I've spoke to a few who seemed quite underwhelmed, like immediately afterwards. Complete contrast with Wolves. I know it's very different different circumstances. But we had Jeff Shee, you know, being hero worshipped outside yeah. Molyneux when he was unveiled. But it, it doesn't seem like Albion have got, have got that kind of feel. Not to it, not right? at all. This is. <laughs> Jeremy Peace's sort of parting shot is a Jeremy Peace appointment. This is um, this chap is not promising the world. His, his uh, statement when he arrived was, "Our first aim is to stay in the league, if we can, uh, go get into the top half." Which is basically the pragmatism that's been preached at Albion for the last few years. There is there was a slight feeling of uh, enthusiasm on the day of the announcement, but a week later, no signings. Um, there's things in the pipeline, obviously, but no signings. Um, no word of how much he's going to invest. I think underwhelmed, um, whilst isn't the truth for everybody, it is, a lot of fans have, have appreciated. I suppose the, one of the issues is it's not actually been ratified as, as yet. Yeah, so and that, he hasn't been able to speak. I mean, he's spoken to the club media, but he hasn't yeah. had a press conference or anything like that, in, in the same way as Tony Jarr and, and Jeff Shuby this season, as they were. Yeah, but that and apparently that's not going to be ratified for maybe one or two months yet. Um, we've got a problem where the minor shareholders have asked the Premier League and the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority, to delay that uh, approval um, because they're worried about the the price of their shares um, being worthless. But I can't really see that having an effect on their uh, on their decision. So um, we're just waiting for the FCA, the Premier League, to uh, to approve it. I suppose your one hope is that the um the new owners realise that the cost of staying in the Premier League is more expensive now than it was when, when Jeremy was there. It's, this summer has 
has shown that this new TV deal has, has again put the prices up. You know, yet again, and, absolutely. And, and you can see Albion. Is it five players they're looking at? I mean, you, they conceivably break their their transfer record <laughs> as it stands now with all of those those five signings. Absolutely. I mean, you look at um, players that have gone this summer. For, Albion's record is currently twelve million for what they spent yeah. on Solomon Rondon. There were players going average players. Jordan Ibe went to Bournemouth for fifteen. You know, it, it, Albion are going to break their transfer record this summer. I'm, I'm sure of it. Uh, it's just whether they double it or triple it. We'll, we, we will wait and see. But are you saying that James Tonkins wasn't a good buy at £10 million? I don't think that's a good buy, personally, but there we go. Um, I, yeah, you're, you're bang on that. They need, they need to invest. They need to invest heavily. They've spent £5 million this summer. And when you look at the spending that other clubs around them, like Bournemouth, Palace and Middlesbrough have done, it's just not yeah. enough. And with, with this squad going into the season tomorrow... They're in big trouble. Um, spoke to Tony today and he basically acknowledged that. He said, we need five signings. The, the only worrying thing is that the new chairman, John Williams, when he came in, he said, um, he said there are funds available for two or three realistic signings. Now, if that's not, you know, damping down hopes and expectations, I don't know what is. Where do, you, where do you see? Honestly, as things stand today, obviously the Sacco move fell through, which was, was, I think, a huge blow and that's held up the Berahino move. And we're going to talk about transfer targets later on. But as it stands today, going into Saturday's game, do you think it's a relegation battle? Do you think this this team or this this club isn't good enough to, to stay in the Premier League? With this squad, I think so, yeah. Um, based on what other clubs have done, I think uh, they'll be down there um, scrapping it out. I mean, even Swansea have bought a couple of new strikers. Mm-hmm. Now, if Pulis does manage to get in these five um, transfers that he wants, could be a bit different. But with this squad as it is, I mean, they're relying on you know teenagers Kane Wilson 16 and Tony's been playing him um, at left back Sam Fields 18 and he's been playing him in midfield they're fantastic prospects don't get me wrong I've been really impressed with actually both of those players Field and Wilson but you've got to drip feed these chaps minutes mm-hmm. you can't put them into a Premier League season and, and, and expect them to, to perform week in week out it's just, it's just too much too gruelling I was reading your preview yesterday plug <laughs> like it by the Express and Star to read that. Um, <laughs> and looking through your team sheet, I thought I was reading uh, an academy lineup. Mm. And then I was speaking to Matt about it because you went in, obviously, Matt Mayer. Um, have Albion got a host of injuries? No, this is their squad. No. I'm amazed at how. Everyone's how, fit. How it's, how it's shrunk. Yeah. And, and obviously, hugely talented prospects, but to have three or four of them in the first team squad, it's, it's got to be too much it's for a Premier League football. Absolutely. I think um, if you're realistic, You'd want Leco in and around the uh, the first team squad uh, in in the opening few games, and you'd like someone like Sam Field to break in halfway through the season if there's an injury or something. Uh, but yeah, at this stage it's it's worrying. Um, but Albion always do their business late on. They've always done it like that. Um, they, they obviously Tony would prefer to have um, the the players in uh, for preseason, but the the takeover and everything like that pushed everything back. So uh, we're, it's a bit worrying, but hopefully a few signings and uh, they might manage to finish 14th again. <laughs> <laughs> and we want to know your views as well. Remember, uh, tweet us at ES underscore podcast one or let us know via email podcast at expressandstar.co.uk. Okay, let's move on to Aston Villa. It seems a long time ago when uh, Tony Jar took over, but uh, a third club and a third takeover. Yeah, um, you know, I think of all the, the three takeovers, this, this is the one that needed to happen, uh, you know, more than, than any other. Uh, Villa were just going, well, I say they're going nowhere under Ronnie Werner, they were just going down. I mean, uh, mm. 
I think the prospects of, of starting this season, you know, outside the Premier League for the first time in nearly three decades, or outside the top flight for the first time in nearly three decades, with Lerner in charge, was, was, was still there, was, was a genuinely scary one. Um, but uh, but Jarre's come in, um, he certainly made an impact. Um, you know, he's kind of uh, an interesting character. You know, he's, he's still very mysterious in, in, in some ways, uh, certainly in terms of, uh, you know, his, his finances and, and what have you. But I've got to say, you know, he, the decisions Villa have made this summer in terms of management, um, you know, chief executive, and what they've spent on players and the players they've brought in, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're making some pretty shrewd moves. Um, the results, obviously the first two results, are exactly what you didn't want. Yeah. And it's put immediate pressure on tomorrow's first home game against Rotherham. But I think off the field, things are certainly looking better. And the theory would be that in time, things will get better on the field. Uh, but but at the moment, obviously, it's still horrible for supporters. I mean, Wednesday night was a, a complete capitulation mm-hmm. to be up there with any of, of last season's. But, um, you know, I think the time to judge Villa uh, will be in three weeks' time when the, the transfer window closes and see what, what business they do between, between now and then. They're already going to get James Chester on board, which I think is a... It's a fantastic sign. It's a great sign in that is. In the, uh, in, in the championship. Mila Yedinak from Crystal Palace would be another outstanding. Yeah. And you can see what Di Matteo mm-hmm. is trying to do here in terms of Grit. bringing in leaders yeah. you know, and, and people. So Villa, I think, could end up with a pretty good team this season. At the minute, it, things feel very, very bad you know, after the first two games. But uh, we're just going to have to see what develops. And it looks like the players are going to know about it pretty quickly because uh, Mr. Jar's not... Uh, not quiet on Twitter, is he? Oh, no, no, he isn't. Um, I mean, there's two ways of looking at this. Um, I think, in in some ways, it's, it's refreshing for the fans. Randy Lerner kind of lost interest in Villa five or six years ago, and, and was barely heard from again, aside from the odd bizarre press release. Um, you know, that it was very hard to get any information out of the club, whether you're a fan, you know, a journalist or whoever. Jar has been has been remarkably. Uh, open um, in, in some respects, certainly on, on Twitter. Um, I think the interaction the fan, with the fans is, is good to it's good to some extent. I think it does have uh, inherent dangers. You know, I've written about these. I think we've started to see kind of a, a, a couple of those. Um, ulti- ultimately, I think the, the thing is, it, it is dangerous um, kind of being on, on Twitter if he's not aware of, of, of the dangers and, and fact, you, I think there's always a danger of getting too close to the fans but really it is down to actions and, and what they actually do in terms of the round and words uh, are fairly uh, meaningless but yeah I think it's uh, it's got it's positives and negatives I think that's I think that's unsustainable really having the owner on Twitter when you've got yeah. so many fans my the situation Say Di Matteo and Clark lose five games, you know, in the middle of the season, and all the fans start calling for their for their heads. Maybe that's not the right decision yeah. at that time. But yeah. if if the owner's on Twitter and he sees all these, all, the, all what looks like dozens and dozens and hundreds and thousands of people, you know, calling for this head, he's going to think, oh, that's the right decision. Well, yeah, I mean, I think he's he's made, uh, you know, I think he can think for himself in some ways. But but I know what you're saying, and I think it's a it's a very valid point. Um, it, it's um, in an ideal world, I think you'd want your owners to be, you know, kind of uh, do their business behind closed doors and just do, you know, good business. Um, it, it's a changing world, of course, and you know, there's a few owners now on on Twitter, uh, a few managers as well. Um, I just, uh, you know, 
I know he's, he's responded to, uh, I think Andy Graham was on the radio station this morning saying that he needs to rein it in. I would tend to agree <laughs> with uh, with that point of view. But just someone to help him with it, maybe, so that he doesn't retweet pictures of Jimmy Savile? Yeah, that's that, not great. Well, uh, <sighs> well uh, you know, it, yeah, I mean, that was uh, that was unfortunate. I do think the... Uh, <laughs> I, I do think that... Um, I do think that you know it, it perhaps isn't helpful um, to tweet about players after games. I know it was a general tweet after after Wednesday's game, but I'm not con- you know I, I, I do think that can cause problems. Can't be good for their confidence. Can makes it? the manager's job a bit harder. Um, I mean, Di Matteo has been asked about this, and he, he's he's played it with a fairly you know straight bat. And I think <clears> as far as he's concerned, as long as the uh, the owners investing then um, you know and, and giving him money for transfers, then he'll be all right with it. But yeah, it's. Uh, you know, a recipe for disaster. You know, is is, is probably you know. I, I, I mean, I just think in general, you know, social media is an absolute minefield if you're a, a public figure, um, and that's whether you're Tony Jar or whoever. Or Nathan it's, Judah. Or, or <laughs> me. Let's not let's talk about Twitter and trolling with with you, Mr. Spears. Let's. Uh, I'll be honest. Let's not. Let's move on. Okay, let's move on very quickly. But I mean, just just generally with, with all three clubs. I mean, there's so much of the unknown, isn't there? That it's quite well, four crazy. Clubs, Nathan. Don't forget the Salas. Well, we're going we're to go now, but I'm, I'm just going to go on to the Salas in a minute. But I mean, just with the three new owners and the ownerships, you know, we don't know what's happening from one week to the next, do we? It's very, very, um, well, exciting but worrying at the same time. And busy in the next few weeks, I imagine. Mm. Uh, lots of transfers certainly coming in, a few going out. Deadline day is going to be fun. <laughs> this, this is a remarkable period, you know, in, in, in West Midlands football. I mean, these clubs have, you know, these are three massive clubs in, you know, in, in the history of, of, of world football, been going for 140 years, and, and for them all to be kind of taken over uh, by uh, Chinese investment groups in the space of about about two months. I mean, you really couldn't predict with any great accuracy uh, what's going to happen. And you know, I was speaking to Ali Robertson uh, last week. Uh, who does the column for us? And he said, you, you know, he, he's usually a good barometer of the mood. And he said, look, it's going to be two or three years. And he was talking specifically about Albion, mm. two or three years before we really can judge mm. uh, how, how things have turned out. And and it's the same for all three. But it needed it though, didn't it? I mean, last last season was horrible with all the apathy around. It wasn't just Wolves. Yeah, uh, Albion yeah. and Villa as well. I mean, the the word football hotbed was invented for West Midlands football. It's it's not just last season. Last well, yeah, exactly. My lifetime has been, you know, it's been pretty pretty. But it's fantastic. Been it, rare. It's <laughs> fantastic. We hope hopefully we'll, we'll get attendances up because they're down at all three clubs and a bit of excitement and a bit of positivity and look to the future and hopefully they'll all be in the Premier League together before long. I love that happy That's ending. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I mean that 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 would be unbelievable. Um, it is nice and exotic, isn't it? I suppose <laughs> to have three. Listen, you never know, but I mean, wow, some of those derbies would be incredible. Uh, one team that didn't go up this year. Hope they may, hope we hope they'll be playing Championship football, and that's Warsaw. But they didn't. They just just fell short in the playoffs. No takeover, but still plenty of changes. A completely a squad upheaval. A new manager, well, at least a new permanent manager, but you know, a lot of players leaving and, and, and plenty more coming in, Matt. Yeah, I mean, it feels it's. I mean, obviously, I've covered Warsaw for, for two seasons, and you know, the, there were changes in the squad, but it was all you know, pretty consistent. Going to Essington for the first time, you know, in, in a few months yesterday, it was uh, you know, I was looking at the team sheet on the wall, thinking, well, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. <laughs> I mean, it's. Uh, looking forward to watching them tomorrow, to be honest, so I can get a, a better idea of uh, you know, kind of where they are. Um, you know, it's a big job for, for John Whitney, his first first managerial job. 
um, you know, kind of a, so many players departing, um, so many coming in. Uh, but I think, you know, it was it was expected and it was kind of planned for. Ironically enough, Oldham, who they're playing tomorrow, have also had a kind of a, a huge uh, upheaval, um, which which wasn't particularly planned for. It was far more chaotic. You know, Warsaw kind of I think knew knew this was coming, and and you know, but it, but nevertheless, it is a, it's a huge test for uh, for John, you know, a rookie manager. Mm. Um, but if anyone can can meet the challenge, it, it will be him. I think mean, he's a really enthusiastic guy, and he and he, he's Warsaw through and through. I mean, someone meant something about him a couple of years ago, and you know, when he was the physio, and someone said, you know, it's people like this that the, the glue that holds football clubs mm-hmm. together. You mm-hmm. know, he's he's been there. He's seen the, the bad times. He's seen the good times. You know, and he, he gets the club, and, and I think he's the. You know, they couldn't have a, a better man there, really, in terms of his personality, taking forward. Of course, he will live and die on his, his managerial ability, and it's going to be tested this season. But I think they bought they bought well. I do think you know, I think they've lost a lot of you know players, and they've lost a team that had been building for several years. But they've brought in some, you know, some some. Some really good signings. Um, Simeon know, course, Jackson, great signing. Simeon Jackson, you know, he's he's not always had the you know the the best. Uh, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Completely uh, gone out of my head. The best reputation. Goal scoring record. He's not always had the best reputation, but he's, I think he's a player that you know that you know Warsaw pride themselves on making players better, you know, and development. And you know, I think he's a player they they feel they can. They can work with, and uh, you know he's not Tom Bradshaw, but he's mm-hmm. a very good, uh, good goal scorer. You know, and uh, and and also you look at some of the lads. You know, Warsaw. I've been interviewed with Kieran Morris yesterday. Eighteen months ago, looked like he was going to be out the door at Warsaw. Now, you know, he's kind of going to play a big role this season. And Warsaw, you know, in the same way as they they reap the rewards of being patient with with Dean Smith, the manager, when he had a, a, a bad spell every now and again, they've done the same with players. You know. Players like Kieran, Kieran Morris might have been released uh, by another club. I'd say if you go back to the clubs in League One, three quarters of them would probably have released him with that, the production he'd given up to the age of 21. Warsaw are more patient, they stick with players, they allow them to, to develop at their own rate within reason, mm-hmm. and, and you know they do reap the benefits. What, what do you think the targets are for Warsaw this season? Obviously, a fantastic run last year, you know, this year, massive. Massive overhaul. Do you think that just maintaining maybe like a mid-table finish, or do you think they're looking to push to towards the playoffs? And and you know what what's what's wanted of, of John Whitney? Oh, it's difficult to say. Really, it's difficult to say. Well, we're going to have to see how the first few games pan out. They've got a nice start. I'd say that much. I think you know, AFC Wimbledon. You know, not not had a great summer. You know, coming up from League Two at, at home, that was a nice start. Oldham tomorrow is another game that should probably be looking to win. Chesterfield maybe a bit tougher. Um, but it's it's really difficult to say, you know, until we until we see the way things pan out. You know, the fear when you lose that many players is that the whole thing will, you know, will implode and mm-hmm. then they'll be at the, you know, the, the foot of the division. I, I don't think that. I, I think they'll, you know, I, th- I think they'll be fine. I don't think they'll be involved. You know, they'll be uh, involved in the relegation battle. Uh, but but I think you know matching last season's achievements will be will be very tough simply because you know that that was a. That was a team that had been, you know, been at that time to grow, and, and you know was ready to put in that kind of, uh, you know, Warsaw have got to got to be patient. Whitney's been given a three year contract, and the theory would be that you know he's got three years of to build a, a team ready for promotion. And with that, let's move on to the the weekend's action. Uh, Wolves' first home league game for Mister Walter Zenga. 
facing Reading, and I'm sure he'll be looking to, to get his first league win under his belt. Yeah, it's the clash of the internationally renowned players who are having their first job in English football. Zenga versus Yapstam. Two <laughs> shock appointments in the summer. Uh, but yeah, Reading have made a good start. Uh, two home wins, one in the league, one in the cup. Um, and played a good kind of patient passing game by all accounts. They had 70% possession on the opening day, albeit against Preston. All due respect to Preston. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> supported by the editor of this publication. Um, I hope he's not listening. Uh, he's on a beach in, in he's on Rio beach somewhere, isn't he? So, um, so yeah, quite hopeful of a good game. A few, looking forward to seeing a few Reading players. They've signed John, Schip, John Swift from uh, Chelsea, mm-hmm. good ball playing midfielder. Um, so, don't know what to expect. Really, impossible to know. Two new teams, two new managers, two new two two different styles. Zenga's very much still bedding in his his team and trying to find his eleven. Um, but hopefully, we'll see. Um, two or three of the new signings start and kind of gal- have a bit of a galvanising home win in front of a decent crowd, hopefully. Well, we see two up front because, for me, they've had two very good halves of football in each game and two shocking halves of football. And the best they've looked is when they played Joe Mason that's, and John Daddy up front together. Will he go two up front? That's right. That's reflected in the formations because he started 4-3-3 in both games and then it's gone badly and he switched at half-time to 4-4-1-1 or 4-4-2. So, yeah, I think he will. He, he, he likes what he saw from Mason the other night. So I think we'll see Bob Barson up front, Mason in behind or alongside him. And a couple of wingers. We're not sure on Helder Costa whether he's fit because he, he took a knock on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. So, um, But Texera should be ready to play. Uh, Wallace or Henry on one, of, on one of the other flanks. And then hopefully Jack Price in the middle and an attacking formation. Any other injuries? Quite a few. Yep. Uh, Ebanks Landell, Dicko, Williamson, Obbs and Jordan Graham, Marcus Aro. Yes, lots. <laughs> Did you see the word obs? Obviously. That's, Sorry. That's, this, this, we're going into the... This is what the people want these days. It's short to, abbreviations. Might have to translate some words from that there. Okay. Uh, obviously. The more knowledgeable and... You know, and I've worked out what it was. Just, <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> You've got plenty more. <laughs> uh, Matt, um, first game of the season at Palace. Not the easiest game at all. And... and Talk about Albion not signing players. I mean, Albion. I mean, Crystal Palace have gone have gone crazy, really. And and unfortunately for you, it looks like uh, Mr. Balassi will, will will be available. Yeah, I, it's it's an intriguing opening game, actually. Um, obviously, this is the first time that uh, Tony Pulis has played Palace since he got the three point five million pound uh, fine or ordered to repay three point five million pounds because of the uh, disagreement dis- uh, with uh, Steve Parish. Uh, he was asked today whether. He'd be going up and uh, seeing Steve uh, after the game. He said, "No, I'm going to stay down in the dugout." So <laughs> okay. there's no there's no love lost at all between uh, between Tony and his old club. Um, I'm sure that he will be eager to beat them. Um, funnily enough, the the game the home game against Palace last season was probably the best that Albion played all season when they were three 0 up at half time. Um, the away game was probably the worst. Yeah, the away game was <laughs> terrible. Yeah, but uh, three 0 up at half time still managed to nearly throw that game away. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be difficult uh, for all the reasons we said earlier. The squad uh, is not the finished article by any means. Um, you'd have to say that Crystal Palace's team looks a lot stronger. Um, you talked about Balassi. I'm probably more worried about Andros Townsend. He looks mm-hmm. a very good buy for them. Um, the only thing that um, I am hopeful for in Albion's case is that uh, they don't really have the firepower. Uh, only got Connor Wickham really up front. So um, we shall see uh, what happens. It could be a, a, another grinding nil-nil or um, who knows opening day anything can happen how are you expecting them to line up uh, Albion I expect it to be Evans at left back which I'm sure a lot of fans will be disappointed with um, Olsen McCauley in, the, in midfield Dawson right back uh, Fletcher and Jakob 
probably Leco and Phillips on the wing. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that Tony plays Leco rather than uh, McLean, who had a dreadful second half of the season last year and just proved it doesn't really have any end product. I think Leco would be a better bet on the uh, on the wing. Um, and then Morrison apparently has got a little bit uh, 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 of a doubt. He's got a little bit of an injury uh, flare up of his hamstring problem that he had last last season. So he probably won't be featuring. So it looks like it's probably going to be Berahino in behind Rondon. Saido, Saido playing and uh, in the shop window. Yeah, or is well, he? Or isn't he? Or well, I mean, is it going to happen all over again? Yeah, it's I mean, it's the story that won't go away. Um, I'm sure a lot of Albion fans are starting to get a bit bored with this. But um, basically, uh, Tony reiterated today that Albion are not going to sell him until they get another striker in mm-hmm. and end of. So until uh, until Al- if, if you see Saido going, then mate, <laughs> that means that Albion are buying a striker. Uh, but and he's apart from that, he's not going. Uh, Stoke is still interested. Mark Hughes openly admitted that yesterday in his press conference, um, and they're going to—they're probably favourites to sign him. I should imagine um, should Benteke eventually end up at Palace um, if Albion can't gazump them first. Matt Aston Villa versus Rotherham. I'm not going to say the stupid returns must win. However, it's a big game. It is yeah, a big game. If they're going to start well. doing some inroads and and, and and you know really challenging for for Premier League and and, and playoffs, they need to win games like this, don't they? Well, they do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, it's. it's we're only three games into the season, so there's, it's not. It's certainly not, uh, you know, must win in terms of uh, promotion hopes. But it, they need it. They just need a win. You'd really they want need, to win it, though. They need something to, you know, just to lift the club. They need a. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I mean, Rotherham. Well, I mean, you know, that was kind of the uh, the thing last season, wasn't it? Rotherham at home, and it comes out the uh, the first the first game. I think they've had a, Rotherham have had a few uh, few injury. Uh, Injury concerns, so I do fancy uh, I do fancy Villa to, to actually do the business tomorrow. Uh, I think Frecklington, the Rotherham captain, is, is out in midfield, and, and I think with the home crowd, I think I think Villa have shown, aside from the two results, they've shown in in pieces in bits of the, the first two games that they can be a decent team. And it's just all about getting that first goal because if, if they go in front, mm-hmm. they can you know get another. You know, it's I think they'll uh, I think they can go on and win. Because they haven't, been, they haven't been dreadful, have they, mate? I mean, there's well, been periods the, the where they've first, been all right. The first 35 minutes on on, um, on Wednesday night, they, they could have been 3 or 4 nil up. The one thing I wouldn't say, and it doesn't excuse, it never excuses, it's never going to excuse a loss of Luton, but they really don't have much luck. I mean, you know, Luton hit their own bar twice, and, um, you know, the Luton's <laughs> second goal, the, the uh, clearance has rebounded off Jack Grealish and straight to their player. Six yards out. I mean, it doesn't excuse any of it. It doesn't excuse the mental collapse. But you know, they're not really having the run of the ball either at the moment. And I think that will change. And I think Ross McCormack, who, who has impressed me in, in, in how he's played, in, played so far, looks a really clever forward player. Good movement. I, I think I fancy him to perhaps uh, break his duck, as it were, tomorrow. Yeah, he's, he's guaranteed goals. I think McCormack in that league. Yeah. All doing against Warsaw, uh, team news-wise, are we looking at more more the side that played against Wimbledon? I know he made yeah, some, I some so. changes. I think it will be, be the side that played against Wimbledon, uh, with perhaps the exception of Adam Chambers, the skipper, if he doesn't make it. Um, big player for, for Warsaw Chambers, even at the age of uh, you know, 35, he kind of sets the tempo for them. Though I would say the fact they've got Isaiah Osborne now alongside in mid- midfield is a, a bit of a similar, quite a similar player, but you know, a, bit, a bit younger. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll make up for that. Um, you know, I'd quite like to see Chambers isn't very William Kinsella played alongside Osborne. You know, we've always been told that that's his natural position uh, in the centre of midfield. He's played at right back before. You know, and really impressed. Uh, you know, I expect 
you know, being kids so it's a really kick on this season it's a player with a huge amount of potential. So it'd be interesting to see what they do. I, I, I do fancy Warsaw to you know to, to, to eke out a win um, tomorrow. I don't think it'll be easy at Oldham, but they're kind of still putting things together. They've had sixteen players come in in the last month. I think eighteen players now have signed another couple, you know, this week and it's still kind of all gelling together. Um, but they did beat Wigan in, in midweek, so they, they you know they do they're not a team to be to be taken lightly. Thanks, Matt. We're just going to, before we go and, and finish off on the mailbag, we're just going to do a little bit of transfer news because obviously everyone loves a little bit of gossip. And the one person who will not, and I mean not go away, Mr Spears, Anderson Taliska. What is going on? Everyone wants to know, £21 million, is it going to happen? Taliska. Taliska. Does he exist? <laughs> he's, he's the new Robin Lee, basically. Uh very similar situation, actually, reports kind of surfacing abroad as with Robin Lee, and then a month later we're still none the wiser as to his whereabouts or his existence. Uh, in fact, he's been on a plane for the last three weeks, if you believe everything you read in Portugal. <laughs> so boring. I, I think it's a nice plane. I think he's an air hostess. If he does arrive, he'll have deep, deep vein thrombosis, so he'll be able to play. <laughs> um, in fact, he also delivered his missus's baby in the air as well, since she had a baby last week. Uh, this week. So, this guy um, is just superman it's a remarkable um, if you speak to people in Portugal they're convinced he's happening mm. although there are very very uh, contradictory reports over there as to exactly what's happening but literally you've seen a story a day saying he's having a medical today he's flying today he's got his work permit today but here speak to people here literally none the wiser couldn't be any more different so it's obviously the work of the great Jorge Mendes mm. and he's he's either pimping out his client through orders. In order to in order, in order to get a, high, a higher bidder, which I'm sure he does quite a lot of, or, or there's something in it. But like I said, speaks people here. There's nothing going on, so we wait. But 21 million pounds. All they, they won't is... they won't be spending that kind of no money chance. on a player. That's the that's the convenient fact that everybody seems to be ignoring. Um, they they've said 20 to 30 million over two seasons, and obviously they're going to go a little bit. They're not going to. They're not going to set out what their transfer budget is, but they're not going to, they're not going to be spending twenty million pounds on a single player. It's just not happening. Matt, five players in before the weekend or all, all this afternoon would be nice. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Uh, it's Still not going to be in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen though. Um, Albion have just uh, well today they they're selling James Chester to Aston Villa, which mm-hmm. is I think it's a great move for Chester and for Villa actually. Um, what about for, what about Albion? Hardly played and they're going to make a profit on him. Yeah, you could argue that, but in, in my opinion, Chester's got great potential. I think he, he he should have been if he was played in his correct position as centre back, which is where he wants to play. Him and Evans, that's that's a classy pairing of centre back, in my opinion. Um, I think Tony bought him. He was always wanted to convert him to a full back. Um, and when Chester came, he probably believed in himself that he could force his way into the team at centre back. Uh, that just hasn't happened. Unfortunately, he's now been sold. Yes, they've made a bit of money on him, um, although that is subject. So you know, add-ons and appearances, appearance fees and things like that. So uh, it's only a modest uh, profit at the moment. Um, but I think it's a good deal for Villa uh, more than Albion. It does suggest, though, that um, they've got someone lined up to replace him. So, Do you feel that any, any of the names that have been talked about or that you've heard about? Um, coming in-wise, mm-hmm. Benteke, there is interest there, but I still believe Palace are, are favourites to sign him. I don't, I don't think Albion are going to manage to persuade him to come to West Brom. Um, bring, think, bring in a player who's on 120 grand a week wages. Um, well, I don't believe that. Would, it may perhaps be great for the dressing room. I don't believe that they'd, they'd, they'd pay him that much. Um, anyway, so yeah, I think he's probably going to go to Palace. Yes, there's probably interest. Um, 
Islam Slimani from uh, Sporting Lisbon is someone that they've made a bid for, uh, about a 17 million euro bid. But there are other teams interested as well. Uh, Everton are rumoured to be interested and so are Arsenal. So, um, it, yeah, we, we, we get to see other um, people that they're interested in, Ijoa and Valencia from uh, West Ham. But uh, they need to do some business quickly. Matt Villa, just, just very quickly, uh, Crystal Palace trio, the, the ones that are talked about at the moment, I mean, those would be fantastic signings. Well, I think Yedinak is, is the one, isn't it? You've been linked most strongly. That would be a fantastic signing, as would Richie Delap from, from Leicester. Uh, another one that, that, that could be on the way uh, next week. Um, that you know, and you can see what the, the policy is here. Kind of experienced championship players, um, you know, who, who've been promoted from the championship, and you know, a bit of bit of steel about them. You know, it's exactly what they need. Yeah, and that's the player that Villa need. Absolutely. Great stuff. Right, well, let's finish off with the mailbag very quickly. We've got a few questions in. I understand that, you know, I only asked these this morning. But again, please, guys, for, for next week, I know we'll have plenty more next week, email us podcast at expressandstar.co.uk. Tweet us at es underscore podcast one. We want to hear exactly what your thoughts are and what your questions are. At pmiles1989, can I swap my clapper for a bolty pie? What does that mean, Tim? So Wolves have got like Leicester style clappers for the game this weekend. Three, three piece. Uh, well, yeah, they're on the seats, so I don't think you'd have to pay. <laughs> have to buy a ticket. Uh, I don't know about. Uh, I, I, I don't think chucking two balty pies together would generate quite the same atmosphere. You just kind of get <laughs> twenty thousand slightly gassy, sleepy Wolves fans with uh, tikka breath. So. But who, who is it? Who's who's offering the? Is it? Is I'll it be, yeah, first home game of the season. Uh, the new owner's buying everyone a pint or, you know, a water if you if you don't want to drink. Happy if you're day, driving. What, what, what are we getting, Matt? I don't win. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, again, another another Wolves question from, from Peter Callahan. Uh, will we go in for a higher bid for Chris Martin? I mean, there's talk about Wolves offering £6.5 million. Could they, could, could they go up in, in yeah, this Yeah, six, 6 and a half was a bid rejected. Pretty much out of hand by Derby. Mm-hmm. I think they'll go a bit higher, but not much. I think they, I think they'll stretch to eight, maybe nine. But I can't see them. I can't see them going higher than that on one player. But if they've got this, this, this kind of money, I mean, that, that, that's great that they're making these bids, isn't it? Oh yeah, so this is exactly the kind of player they should, they should be, they should be looking at. It's mm-hmm. great to bring in these, these guys from Benfica, etc. But you need proven championship players, of which he's very much one. Matt Wilson from David Sidaway. Uh, when will we see Chris Brunt? I'd like to see because I've got him in fantasy as well as a, as a backup. I, dra- I drafted him. It's a draft league. It's not. It's not the same as fantasy Premier League. But I've kept him on the bench for now. He's going to be important for me as a defender this year. Right. With I'd... midfield tendencies. When when are we going to see Chris Brunt? Oh, well, I'd take him out of your fantasy team because okay. I don't think it's going to be for a while. I'm not um... starting him. He's just it's on my bench. On okay. My watch list. Okay. Well, yeah, you can keep watching. Um, he's he's basically going to change his rehab next week. Uh, do some more specific conditioning, uh, and then we'll know more. Uh, when he starts doing that um, but I think he's still a way off uh, he won't be back in August he might be back uh, mid to late September but it could even be October you've got to remember that uh, Ben Foster did, had, had a knee injury a uh, similar knee injury like this and he was out for 10 months so um, we're looking at late September early October I think but we'll find out more next week when he starts this new rehab programme We've covered we've covered Christian Minteke but Sai the Donkey wants to know about Jeffrey Schlupp what's the uh, what's the latest there? Schlupp is, the, is uh, more likely than Menteke, that's for sure um, Albion have had a £9 million bid rejected earlier this summer and they're going back in uh, believed with an £11 million bid um, I think the issue is whether Slup, Schlup, um, Schlup, right <laughs> Schlup, fantastic name. Whether Schlup were, would like to come uh, and you know leave 
the prospect of Champions League football uh, for what is probably going to be a mid-table Premier League campaign. Question from Nathan for you, Matt Maher. How worried are you about Aston Villa? I assume he means the start that they've had. Oh, um, I'm probably uh, more optimistic. More, 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 yeah, more optimistic than most. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I mean, if, if the Chester deal goes through, which we'll shoot it all sometime this afternoon, that'll push their spending up to to north of, of thirty million already this summer. They're they're not messing around. It, it's going to take some some time, you know, and um, but uh, I think they're going to they're going to get it right eventually. Boys, it's been emotional. Mm. Tim, Matt, Matt. Thoroughly enjoyed that. First ever podcast here with us and um, hopefully plenty more to come. Uh, Tim, you'll be at the Wolves game at the weekend. Matt Wilson will yes. be um, at, at Crystal Palace. Got a nice London trip. Are you setting off in the morning, are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm going down on train, so that'd be nice. Set off now at the Palace. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you'll be covering Walsall tomorrow, Matt, I think, I believe, yes, with, with Joe Massey not there. Um, thank you, guys. Email, tweeters. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Every Friday, like I say, I've been Nathan Judah. This is the ENS Football Podcast. Have a great weekend.